podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, hello, it's the Brighton Rock podcast again, fresh from our match day special against Brentford. Here we are again with the latest episode of the beautiful podcast about that beautiful team within the beautiful game. Hey, Peter. I don't know what to say. <laughs> there is nothing to say to that, is there really? <laughs> I'm not sure about the beautiful podcast bit, but the beautiful team in the beautiful game is definitely true, not least after another win. Uh, we've now made it three wins for the season, a 100% away record, first team to inflict a defeat at Brentford's new stadium, at least certainly in the Premier League anyway, I think possibly overall. Um, and Brentford's first ever defeat in the Premier League as well. In general, yes, that's right. They were unbeaten in the first three. Good start with five points from nine. They're now on five from 12. We're on nine from 12, which is superb, isn't it? Now, I know you missed the game, Peter, but uh, you've got to be pleased nonetheless to oh, yeah, see very us happy, get the yeah. points. I was delighted. It was, it's uh, it never like, better than this way, As with it? Burnley this season, it sounds like the sort of game that we didn't really deserve to win. It's it's a real turnaround from last season where obviously we we were, you know, kind of not winning games we deserved to win. You know, we were, we were drawing or losing them this year. We've certainly, in the case of I mean, Watford, we deserved to win comprehensively and probably by more than we did. Everton, we deserved to lose. But the two away games, both of them, you could argue that we deserved to draw at most and probably to defeat, a defeat. Burnley could have been out of sight. Brentford had the chances from the, from what I saw match today to be out of sight, and uh, yeah, we ended up winning both. So I'm not going to, yeah, never going to complain about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this is a welcome change, isn't it? This. I mean, I'd rather we're deserving to win and winning. Yes, of course, but not deserving to win and winning. That's the second best one for me. I'll happily take that. But of course, if we, um, if we carry on like this, of course, we'll get to enough points that we'll hopefully then build more confidence and build confidence. And, and we still yeah. had a lot of players missing. I think obviously Lamptey will make a big difference when he comes back. And Cucurella sounded like Cucurella. He sounded like he had a good game for his first first appearance, and obviously will get better. Um, yeah, hmm. lost Webster obviously halfway half an hour in. That was a big blow. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just lucky that Lamptey is supposedly coming back very soon because that would allow us to drop that one across. Yeah, and, and burn and as well. And so. burn, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, this game, it, um, according to the stats and according to the way it looked from the pitch, um, they lined up in a 3-5-2, Rea, of course, in goal. They had Aja there, um, their summer signing, Janssen and Pinnock, of course. He's a great player, Ethan Pinnock. He's really done well for them. Came through non-league, didn't he? Um, as their back three, they had Canos right wing back and they had Rico Henry left wing back, midfield of Baptiste, Norgard and Janelt. And then up front, Mwemo and, of course, Tony. Um, for us, the Albion, um, one big surprise, uh, well, not a surprise, actually, but a, a bit of an eyebrow raiser was to see that Lucardia was on the bench. Uh, he didn't make the first team, though. We had Sanchez in goal, uh, Webster, Duffy and Dunk as our usual centre-backs. Uh, Veltman on the right side, Kukuria making his debut as a full debut um, on the left side. Lalana and Basuma as the central mid, Trossard further forward and Morpé and Welbeck starting in this game. Given that Conley's been had to drop out with a minor injury um, due to his international involvements. Um, interesting that we played the only two strikers apart from the Cardia that we the only two strikers that we have considered first teamers in the same lineup. So there was no there wouldn't have been any alternatives from the bench if it wasn't for Lacardia. I can only assume that uh, Graham is genuinely considering him a possibility in the squad. I've got a quote about that coming up in a minute actually. But um, anyway, the lineup... Lacardia himself going, what the hell? Yeah, well, come on. I had, a gig, I had a gig at the weekend. Why did you take me away from that? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, actually, yeah, I'll see if I can find the quote. It's from Graham Potter, and he said, and I quote, here we go. 
The Seagulls boss said he's only 27. I spoke to him on Thursday and he's approaching the peak of his career. Okay, and that's quite exciting. He can take inspiration from Shane, of course, because anything is possible. Obviously, citing the fact that Duffy's come back from uh, seemingly being on the outside. Uh, he then went on to say, clearly, he has got talent and the ability. He's had a tough time of it in terms of loan, but he's grown from the experience and used it well to develop as a person. We know his qualities and understand his attributes. Now it's about him trying to be on the pitch, um, carry on with his training, enjoy his football play with a smile on his face and we can see a good player. Um, that's what he was saying. So, I mean, that, that does sound like someone who's back in the fold to some degree. He didn't get on in this match um, as a sub. So that wasn't the case today, uh, this weekend. But um, nonetheless, I, I think, interesting. I think you've got to say, we basically have him as an option. You know, they're, they're going to try and, you know, if, if, if need be, if we don't have the fully fit squad, he'll be used because... Otherwise, and I, he may get a start against Swansea in the League Cup. We frankly got minimal, minimal options. Give him a go. He actually did. There was a point around the middle of the second Hewton season Premier League that he actually started to look like he might have a, you know something about him. He had a, he scored against Arsenal Ever, and, and Everton in consecutive games, and he he looked quite decent in a few games in a row, and then seemed to lose his way a bit. And then he again, and then he then he scored against Millwall as well in the cup, a really good goal. Mm. So you never quite know with these things. He also, I think, I simply remember starting again in Potter's first game in charge at Watford, and then by the end of the month he was uh, he was right. he was on his yeah. way out on loan. Yeah, so, I mean he scored according you know, to what I've got here. He scored, yeah, Premier League against Everton, the Cup against Derby and Millwall, as you mentioned, uh, Arsenal in the league, Watford. I think he got a goal against Swansea in the league and Cov in the Cup. Which is a oh, yeah, they finish, were the first season, wasn't it? Covens won mm. in a row. Yeah, that's the, yeah. So seven goals that I can recall or, or friends I've spoken to have been able to recall. I haven't looked up the stats, but, you know, he's got a few goals in there. And who knows, even if he can get a run just for half a season or something, that might benefit us. Yeah, exactly. and I think yeah. having someone like him, you can just stick in for the cup games. You can give a, you know, give a game to. And also then, we'll, you know, as an option, at least as a bench, if someone's got a knock or something like that. Obviously, you wouldn't want him playing 20 games, probably, given the record. If if all our strikers are injured, but hmm. but he's an interesting one, isn't he? I mean, let, let's see what happens. But um, as for the game itself, I mean, we started quite well, um, quite lively. The ball seemed to be in their half an awful lot, promising beginnings. Um, it then petered out, as I was saying in the match day special. In summary, it, it sort of petered out the game. We seemed to fall away a fair bit. Um, the game sort of disintegrated to some degree, you could call it in terms of its quality, its cohesion. It got a bit scrappy, not in a violent way, but just scrappy in a general sense. There wasn't much of a great deal of quality going on. Um, and then a half-time, you know... It's interesting because Brentford obviously came up as this free-flowing team and they've obviously not living up to that quite yet, really. You know, it's like they're obviously not the... You know, they're obviously a bit more pragmatic than, say, Leeds were last season. Hmm. I think they are trying to improvise their way through the first weeks of the season. Um, that they realise that they're not always going to be able to just play the game they played going up. I think largely they'll try and stick to their principles, and I think they're trying to do that to some degree at the moment, but they are going to have to improvise. I, I think, think you have to why... be practical. So, I mean, even Leeds, exactly. as the season went on, hmm. had to be more practical, and they've yeah. gone back a little bit to being quite open again and, and paid for it this weekend. Yeah, you know, they, absolutely. They were very absolutely. open against Liverpool. They were kind of destroyed... Yeah, by all accounts, if Mane hadn't have been so selfish, desperate to get a goal, they could have got six or seven. Yeah, I, mean, I, I watched both of it yesterday, and, and Liverpool were a class above Leeds. I mean, they were yeah. or two. You know, it's 
Don't smile too much, Peter. Don't smile. Too I mean, also, I think probably they will be now they've got their players back. They will they will be a class above a lot of teams, including potentially us. You know, so I'm, just, mm. I'm not well, I'm not going to gloat about anything like that at the moment. Not yet. <laughs> well, well, they Thomas are seven Frank. points behind us, Leeds, of course. So you know, oh, just I, the seven. Bless let's them. not to mention that. <laughs> uh, with Thomas Frank, the Brentford manager, speaking to BBC Sport, said it was an even game between two sides that wanted to get on top. Until the 75th minute, we were better or at least had more dangerous situations. I would agree with that. Um, in the last 15, we were more under pressure. Defensively, we set high standards, just four shots away. Offensively, in spells, we were good, but we need to be better. We had chances to score and we need to score some. One moment decides the game, and that is the Premier League. A solid performance. We could have edged it. We need to look into the performance. We played a good Brighton side and were unlucky. I would agree with that. I don't think they deserve to lose, for sure. Yeah, on the um, other hand, though, my, my dad always says it's kind of like you're not unlucky if you miss your chances. That's, that's yeah. See, it's that's not like they hit the saying, post yeah. or, you know, there, was, well, there were like goal mouth scrams or like that from the look of it. They just, yeah. when, when Buemu especially, just missed a load of chances. And that's yeah. not unlucky in football. That's, that's football. You know, yeah, I mean, it's a bit like us, isn't really it? Well. If you look at the way we played last season, you'd feel we're unlucky. Yeah. And I do think we had some bad decisions well, we, against us. We were unlucky so, against Man U, for example, because I think yeah. it is unlucky to hit the woodwork five times. That is mm. genuinely unlucky. And the decisions, the decisions, yeah, the decisions. as well. But, but, but I mean, other but games where we just yeah. were on top, um, you know, it kind of isn't really unlucky. It's like Palace, but I don't think we were particularly unlucky. Mm. We just, you know, we didn't take our chances and yeah. they did, basically. Yeah. I think I think they struggled a bit when we changed formation. When we went to a more of a four three three in the um, in the second half, um, we, it, we, well, that, we we swapped it around between four four two and four three three. I think after the injury to Webster, we we looked a little bit more jaded. I thought for a while we managed to work it around in the second half. What I think the key factors were in this game for Brentford losing it in particular. And also for us winning it is that, um, and Wemo's chances, which you mentioned, um, he clearly doesn't have a left foot. So I don't remember really focusing on it in much detail, but he looks like a good player. But he had three chances, two of them in particular, he should have done a lot better with, and he spooned them all out and wide. Um, that was one of the factors that cost them. The other one is related to what Thomas Frank said about the last 15 minutes. I think what happened there really is they tired. I think they've, um, it's quite I read intense. a stat saying that they played the same four, 10 outfield players from the start in all four Premier League games. Yeah. And I wonder now, whether, whether that's, you know, wonder, that might be their undoing in a way. If they haven't got the depth, really, and that sort of thing, yeah. that could be their... I mean, could it be also that they thought with fewer games, they wouldn't need necessarily to change things up as much as they would in the Championship? Because I yeah. think the intensity is different in the Premier League. That might have called them out, maybe. I think that's probably a naive mistake. Of but I think they, they fell south of what we've had problems with a lot of the times. Um, hmm. you know, over the Premier League, especially the two years. Not so much under Hewton, because we didn't give it a go so much under Hewton, but hmm. certainly under... And we did make, win quite a few games, 1-0 with Murray scoring. But since Potter's been here, we've had like quite a lot of games that we've been on top, not taking our chances. And the Premier League, it only takes one mistake or one, you know, one... Even It wasn't even a mistake in the, in the goal. They just didn't get close enough to Trossard. And it was a really well-taken goal, to be fair. I mean, it was really well worked. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think... Yes, it was a really good goal. March had the throw in. Um, McAllister had, I think it was two different interactions with, with yeah. um, teammates. Um, eventually, sort of. Yeah, Basuma and forward, Basuma, it it Basuma first and then, and then Moda as well after that. Wasn't yeah, it? that's right. That's right. Yeah. Moda, I thought Moda did okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, I think um, McAllister then slipped it to Trossard. It didn't really look like um, much had been created, actually, because he had his back to goal. He had two players right on his tail. 
Um, so he had to turn and get the shot off quite quickly. And he managed to do so. And um, yeah, it was a good finish. And the more the merrier. We are seemingly more clinical, aren't we, so far this season? Yeah, I mean, was it four shots that game and we got one goal? So, I mean, it's compared to some games, we had about 20 shots and didn't get a goal at all last season. So, but yeah. I, I have to say, I thought Modder did really well because he kind of slipped, didn't he? And then managed to still yeah. poke it back to McAllister. So, did really. My, my, I yeah. wonder if, though, the danger for McAllister is he didn't do that much, I thought, against Everton. Was it he started? I think he had a poor, hmm. poor, but two away games, he's come off the bench and done really well. Is he in danger of moving into the kind of whole player who becomes more of an influence off the bench as a. Yes, possibly. I mean, well, he scored at Selhurst last season and the next away game is is there. I wonder if the pattern continues even in the short term. That might benefit yeah. us rather crucially in a game that's not, not only probably um, a winnable game, even though they, they had a good win at the weekend, but also um, one that we need to be winning. If they're, they're The teams that I, I think will be potentially around us this season, um, I like to think we'll be well ahead of them. We're four ahead at the moment, but maybe in reality... They'll be quite close to us if if Saturday was anything more to go by than what's gone prior yeah. to that. Especially if they know. played Chelsea and Tottenham already, and we haven't really played mm. anyone of you know what yeah. you expect. Everton, I think, they're the best team, but mm. they, and they played West Ham, who were pretty useful as well. So you know, it's yeah. kind of. On the other hand, we got three points at Brentford, and they got one at home. So you know, true indeed. Yes, yeah, I that's true. On that bit, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, just to round off on the quotes, by the way, Brighton's uh, manager, Graham Potter, said, I'm really pleased for the boys and supporters. It was a hard-fought match. You see the belief in what Brentford are doing. First half, they were the better team and we had to stick in. Second half, we grew into the game and it is great to get the finish at the end. Away wins are always terrific. It's not easy to control uh, to control it here, but the players did it well. We are delighted with the clean sheet and to nick the win. Well, I think... I do think that we did. Yeah, we grew into it at the later point of the game. On that match day special, I was talking to Charlie that was next to me and saying, you know, it's looking like things are developing here. There's, there's something might be brew, brewing. And then it just uh, seemed to peter out just for a few minutes. And then, boom, we're back into it. And the, the goal came just in time. It yeah. was um, looking at, that. As, as with every game this, this season, I think we've got more possession as well. Even in games we didn't think. We'd ever turn. I thought we were well on top against us, but we had more possession. And uh, yeah. we had 59% here. Yeah, that was that was interesting, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, 59%. Um, they had more shots, but we had more on target, crucially, yeah. Two out of four were on target, and one of which was a goal, yeah. of course. Well, only, only one, one was on crucially, target, really. Seven. Mm. And only one of them was yeah. crucial. Yeah. <laughs> indeed. Yes, very crucial indeed. And so glad we got it. As I said, it's a clean sheet as well. So, of course, we've had, in the league, we've had... The Watford game, we've had this game, of course, against Brentford. Um, so two clean sheets out of four, which is decent. Also in the League Cup as well with different personnel. Um, we had, how many was it last season? We had quite a few, didn't we, in the end? Clean sheets. Was it 12? Yeah, or we, we had loads second half of the season, didn't we? I don't think we had many first half, but then second half of the season we had loads, mm. didn't we? We had about the second best defensive record second half of the season behind Chelsea, I think. Mm. But in, in this game, I think, crucially for me, I mean... We, we rode the issue of having lost Webster, which could have been a big blow. We, I think, as, as you said, we, we grew into the game. We stuck in, in there in the first half, as Graham said. We grew into it in the second. Um, I think we had a bit more width in places with Kukureya on there. Definitely some pace and some impetus and some kind of, you yeah, know, some we, real... We didn't have any wing backs against Everton, mm. did we? And we paid for it. Yeah. 
And they had to take him out at one point with what was the correct decision. It was a yellow um, down by the touchline near halfway. Um, you know, they were, he was starting to be a threat. I don't think we really used the width as well as we could have done. I think quite often we had this thing where Veltman was going quite far forwards, bearing in mind he was playing as the right back at this point. And um, he was trying to get into the um, advanced areas. And there was an issue with, there seemed to be a reticence because I think he was aware of his defensive responsibilities mm. and he's not that pacey. So he's, I, I think we, it felt like the out ball was there and we, we didn't use it because there was a fear of the counter, basically. Yeah, and I, I and obviously there's one person, one one man who we could, hopefully will have back from injury soon who will mm. solve that in a sense because he is the quickest player in the Premier League pretty much, isn't he? So he will yeah. get back very quickly and we can, yeah, as you say, revert to Three at the back. I mean, I, I'll be honest, the, the revelation this season so far has been Shane Duffy, though. I mean, I genuinely yeah. am yeah, stunned by I kind of thought he was going to go out on loan again. And, and, I, and I think probably he would have done if they'd found a club who wanted him. And yet, having not got the club, probably because people weren't that bothered after last season or couldn't afford his, the wages probably we were after of his wages, um, mm. he's come in and been superb this season so far. Yeah. I agree with you. I think so. Absolutely. I mean, he did get booked um, at the weekend along with Veltman. Um, but aside from that, it was another good performance. I think he played well. I think Moda played very well. And I think um, Trossard, notwithstanding the goal, I think Trossard had a good game. Um, yeah, match today focused on him, didn't they? Kind of like, yeah. I thought Lallana was a bit quiet. I think the, the few times it looked like he wasn't quite at his creative best when he was in fairly mm. advanced positions with a little bit of space around him. I, I, the sort of position where he thrives and likes to get some really incisive forward balls in. I didn't feel that he was really on his game and confidence-wise in that regard, which was perhaps where we could have done a bit better. I think Basuma was nice and solid in the middle. And Kukurea, as I said, had a great game. Replaced you, by you March later got, on I, I know it's not only maybe got five players that injured. Do you look at, we're missing... You know, Mwepu hopefully will turn into a really good, you know, signing. Grosh, who we know is, you know, arguably our, you know, artist king. You know, um, yeah. Lamptey, who is on his day, arguably one of our, one of, if not our best player. Certainly our most attacking, interesting attacking player in terms of difference he makes. Yeah. You know, Connolly obviously would have been on the bench, so he would, I wouldn't regard him particularly. And someone else out, as well, Byrne, who would have been another option, certainly when Webster went off. And so we managed to get, you know, we've not, I don't think we've got into a game this season without fewer than, with fewer than five players out. Hmm. So, you know, we've not exactly started the season with perfect injury record, but yet we've still managed to get three wins out of four and a League Cup win. Yeah, it's been brilliant. I mean, Everton did go on on the Monday to beat Burnley coming from behind to win 3-1, which unfortunately um, puts us down to sixth in the table. So we're only in the Europa positions, aren't we, at the moment, Peter, after the... Um, Disappointing, really. Games over the weekend, yeah. No, I mean, we seem to be dropping position every day now. By the, by the end of the month, we'll be bottom. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're one of the big six, though, obviously now. Man United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Everton, Man City, Brighton. Forget Tottenham. And where's Arsenal? Oh, yeah, they were involved in a relegation six-pointer, weren't they, at the weekend? They managed to scrape by against the Canaries. Yeah. Um, the biggest so disappointment that... about Burnley not winning, not getting a result tonight, as well as knocking us out the top five, is that uh, Leeds remain out of the bottom three. <laughs> you won't leave it alone, will you? <laughs> we want both in the bottom three, don't we? Burnley and Leeds, surely. Yeah. And Newcastle are, are doing us proud. They're right. Burnley, Leeds, already. and Palace would be a beautiful combination of relegated oh, teams, wouldn't that'd it? Be good. Wouldn't that'd be good. Like, if I literally could choose, I mean, Man U would be nice <laughs> as well, but maybe all of them. Maybe Man U with Ronaldo scoring an equal and own goal in the last minute to relegate them would be nice as well. <laughs> well we're going to let four go down this year to allow all of them to go down. 
just for our own personal convenience. I think, I mean, Burnley, Leeds and Palace is just about feasible. Yes, I don't think Man United are going to go down, admittedly. But, uh, but the others could all go down. I just don't see it, though. Not with Norwich. And no, I think, and I think Norwich is going to what, Watford, after a good start, have not scored since. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. I found it funny that Wolves finally scored and it was basically a Watford player who scored for them after so many chances in the first three and a half games. Yeah, and Newcastle really should change to a yellow kit, you know, make it a, a kind of like a relegation uniform, that colour. Well, they could do, couldn't they, if it is Watford and, yeah. and um, Norwich well, I think, think Saturday showed probably that Brentford will struggle as well because if Tony doesn't fire, the, the goals probably aren't going to come that easily unless they go back to their original style, in which case they're going to be so open at the back probably that they're, they're going to struggle. Mm. So, I mean, I think the, the three promoted teams will all, all struggle. I think they'll all be bottom six. Mm. None of them are going to do a Leeds, I don't think, or Sheffield United from two years ago. I think, no, I think I Newcastle think will be down there. Southampton as well, we haven't mentioned as well, haven't had a great start. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're in 14th at the moment, three points from four games. You know, they're missing Ings. He does, I know they've got, Armstrong might do quite well, but he's not going to do as well as Ings, whatever. Yeah, happens, exactly. It's, it's really, not, unless Ings had an injury. Um, they've also lost yeah. Bertrand, they've lost Vestergaard. Um, yeah. I think Vestergaard's a massive miss for them, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And um, Wolves, Wolves and Villa struggling a bit this season. Wolves, I know. Yeah, I don't see them. Year. I think Villa, Villa are just taking a bit of time to change around because obviously they're, they've basically yeah. gone from give the ball to Grealish to actually having more of a team. And I think in the longer term it'll benefit them, but they need to kind of get used to it a bit more. And I think Wolves will be fine. They, they, they created so many chances in the first three games and missed them, but they did actually win at the weekend in the, the first game that was really winnable. You know, the first obvious game they should win. And they'll be fine. They've got him and Ed back, who, who scores so many goals that he'll just. There's no way a team that with, with him up front for the, and fit for the season will go down. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's true. Um. So yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick my neck out now. It's around this time of year we start doing the, our, our table predictions, isn't it? We'll do that formally maybe on the next episode because I haven't mentioned it to you before for you to prepare for it. But I'm gonna stick my neck out and say I think that it's going to be Norwich, Watford, and. Uh, Newcastle this season. I, w- I wouldn't argue with any of that. I think it might be Burnley's year actually this year, though. Possibly. That's if the Burnley, other one. If Burnley of old would have held on against Everton. I mean, nicked the lead. They'd have probably dug in and at least yeah. got a point there, you feel. And against us as well. But they haven't done. And it suggests that there's... Things aren't quite right there, it feels like. Their owners haven't really... You know, their, their owners don't seem mm. to be that invested in the club. And Tarkowski's out of contract in the season. Daesh, I think, is out of contract in the season. I think things don't mm. seem that great there, sadly. Mm. It's sadly there's another team you really like, isn't it? Yeah, but anyway, there we go. I mean, the only other thing to mention for the Brentford game is, I mean, you would have probably got the gist of it from uh, the match day special. Anyone that's listening, uh, it was a great day out. Got lots of sing songs. Had a great bit of fun in the pub before and afterwards. Um, and it was uh, there's a new Tony Bloom song, which has rather uh, naughty lyrics. Uh, <laughs> and um, you know, it's, it was a great atmosphere. And I'm not sure it's always difficult when you're in a good atmosphere and an away end to gauge fully what the home end is like because it obviously was really good against Arsenal. You could tell that from the TV. Um, I've got the distinct impression that they weren't anywhere near as up for it, song-wise, in this match. Was it the last show we were talking about it? And I was saying, I think it's... Are they going to be as up for it as they were as Arsenal Mm. on Friday night, the first game in the Premier League, as compared to against Brighton on Saturday? Yeah, I I, I did wonder, you know, is Mm. it kind of that's obviously... I mean, I'm not I'm under no illusions. We're not that big a draw in Premier League. They've played us quite a few times over the years. You know, it's not that exciting. Hmm. 
Probably. And I mean, it certainly wasn't as loud. I'm pretty sure of that. But whether whether they made some decent noise or not is a bit you can't really tell from the away end. Um, it didn't sound but, like it was a game to inspire the crowd as well. It's like you need no, against Arsenal, yeah, obviously it. they were at, yeah. them, at them from the start, whereas it's a bit of a kind of, you know, although I know they had chances, there was nothing really in that game. When you look at the yeah. stats, there was not many shots, not deal. much goal yeah. malfaction. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not a great deal at all. You'll, you'll probably have seen, I think, gleam from the highlights. We had a couple of chances. Danny Welbeck yeah. got in. Yeah, Welbeck had, had might a have better, I thought, from yeah, the match today. Yeah, I, I had a feeling he was going to score that. And I was disappointed when it seemed to seemed to be easily dealt with. And McAllister had a shot, didn't he? Not too long before the goal, which was a bit speculative, but it was wide, um, low wide to the uh, goalies left. But apart from that, it wasn't really a great yeah. deal to talk I mean, about. It's, the it's game. a classic game that we would have lost probably most of the mm. last like four seasons Premier League. But you know, someone would have nicked a goal. Certainly, the two years under Foster, you know, yeah. we you know a battle of attrition, more that sort of thing. You know, two teams quite evenly matched, and mm. it takes a moment of brilliance to win the game. And normally, and yeah, in the last two years, we've been on the losing end of those games. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, as I said on the Match Day special, it's, um, it's a good atmosphere, good fun. The Brentford fans are great. It was really good having a chat with them uh, before and after the game. And um, yeah, they're top guys. And I, I hope that they survive because I know you missed the game and others will have done as well, Peter. But it's, it's a great ground, lots of great pubs to go to. And we hope we can go back again next year. And I don't mean that in a championship sort of way either. Um, Obviously, yeah, it's there's a new ground for me, so I'm hoping they'll hoping yeah. be in the same league as us next season. I yeah. wonder if they might I mean so far, obviously, they've done better than the other two promoted sides. So mm. uh, it'd be interesting to see Norwich, how Norwich start to do when, I mean, they've had a pretty difficult start in terms of fixtures and whether they yeah. pick up, because they've had a massive turnover of players as well. They sold yeah. Buendia and bought in about seven, eight players, something like that. So interesting to see how yeah. they do from there. Wat- Watford, I think, probably will be down. I don't think, unless... Unless um, Saar can have a brilliant season, I don't think they have the quality to score enough goals. Yeah, I think a player like him could get despondent if things are going badly enough yeah. by a certain point and in the season. Maybe move as well. Exactly, in January, just going to say, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Okay, so I'm now in the Market Tavern in Mayfair, Belgravia area. Uh, we've just finished the Seagulls Over London Committee. I'm with Roger Allison and Chris. Very quickly to you, Roger, because I know you're not, not feeling too great and everything, but I've got to ask your opinion. You weren't able to get to the Brentford game, but something else happened on Saturday, which is rather good. You're into your tennis. Emma Raducanu, the first qualifier ever to win the US Open. Three qualifying rounds, all the way through, 10 matches altogether, didn't lose a single set. What do you think about that? Well, first of all, of course, she comes from Bromley, which is only about half an hour from where I live. Yep, which is uh, hopefully not meaning she's a Palace fan, I hope. Well, we don't know, <laughs> no. I believe they're going to have a big homecoming there, perhaps this weekend, waiting to hear what's going on there. Yeah. But the, um, the, ama- the amazing... I mean, the first thing I've compared, to be honest, with some of the football that's been on recently, I've found both of her final and her two previous rounds, absolutely outstanding entertainment. Yeah. It's so refreshing, so sporting, <laughs> and just every point is so sort of yeah. important. She's got it all, hasn't she? Beauty, grace, intelligence, mental strength. Well, that's it. She seems to be comfortable on the court. Incredibly yeah. mature. Yeah. And interesting, I mean, she's got this maths, maths and economic A-levels. Yeah. Both her parents, who presumably live 
near Bromley as well. Yeah. They're both in financial services. Oh yes, and she's got a keen interest. Yeah. And we some subject. of the media over the weekend yeah. where they were talking about some of the angles that they have to play this tennis ball. It makes you realise that have a really logical mathematical mind is really helpful in that respect. So I thought that was pretty interesting. But just her style of play also is just totally fearless. Yeah. And um, maybe I shouldn't say this, but thinking back to when Andy Murray was on his peak and winning Wimbledon a couple of times, he used to frustrate a lot of us because he got very defensive, just yeah. getting the ball back so often. Well, yeah. Emma just hits it like hell all the time. Yeah. It goes for the winners. Yeah. It's just mean, incredible. Ferocious hitting. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Um, not, you know, and, and she's not a massively muscular woman or anything, but she gets the power in the shots. Well, that's it. She's a really attractive British girl. Yeah. Albeit from sort of mixed parents and so on. Yeah. Romanian father, Chinese mother. Born in um, Canada. Born in Canada, yes. brought yeah. up in Bromley. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real heady mix, isn't it? Yeah. And as you said, a keen interest in finance. She's been a visiting the Dow Jones apparently uh, oh she was on, on the American TV yeah. last night yeah, yeah. visiting over there mm. brilliant stuff isn't it and quickly about the Albion you weren't able to get there at the weekend great result though how oh. do you think for the season are we going to do alright I'm feeling fairly confident I think yes yeah. I think we have to do quite well this year yeah yep. it's next Saturday Sunday which will be Tell us a lot as well. Huge one, isn't it? We could win that. Oh, can you imagine? Very quickly, Alison, we chatted at the weekend. She's going, no, no, no. Any further thoughts about the game from Saturday? Um, it was just a really memorable day all round. Excellent. And very quickly, I'm going to introduce Chris as well, making his debut on the podcast. Chris Jonas, how are you doing, Chris? Good, thanks. Excellent. You were at the game, same as us. Um, we're in the away end by to the left of where Tony Bloom was, looking down at an angle to where he was. I think you were pretty close to him, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, we were just in front of him, maybe slightly to the right. Was he looking sheepish with the uh, certain song? Did we start singing for him? He seemed to be very happy at the end, as we said. I mean, he seemed to be enjoying himself there, as we all were, of course. When you get a last-minute winner, it's fantastic. So, a great afternoon. You've been a, enjoyed it. You've been a fan for many years, and your other half is a Chelsea fan, and you're in this bizarre scenario where you've got the same thing going on as Tony and Kirsty, yeah. who we previously had on the podcast. Tony's a Chelsea fan, Kirsty's a Brighton fan. They've got season tickets for each other's clubs as well as their own. You're in the same boat, are you? Well, the yes. other way around. Though. Although I would say that Janet is primarily now a Brighton fan. Yes, good with good some Chelsea uh, sort of affections. <laughs> so yes, so she was brought up as Chelsea and slightly Brentford yeah. as well. She came from Ealing, but now she's well and truly converted. Excellent. Janet's not with us tonight because we're doing the committee meeting, but we'll get her on at some point, no doubt in the future. But for both of you, your, your quick take on the game for the weekend. Any analysis of the match that you'd like to? I think we were slightly fortunate. I think if Brentford could have finished some of those chances they had in the first half in particular, then they could have been ahead. Uh, fortunately, they weren't. Uh, the second half, and uh, particularly the end of that second half, I thought we looked in control. And I thought we, in the end, it, we were quite safe. They never looked like scoring the last 20 minutes. And uh, it was just wonderful to get that last goal. Absolutely. And man of the match, do you have a man of the match for the I game? Well, obviously Trossard scored the goal, yeah. but I thought to then he always looked tricky. He looked more 
um, like you, he actually beat players now. He never used to look like that. He was always sort of doing little runs and passes and trying to yeah. stuff. But now he seemed more confident to turn, twist as you beat players. So Max was in a new side of Trussard, so he was my man of the match. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, that's a good sound. You're probably right, to be honest, on that one. Right, that's it from me and the markets happen with these guys. Now back to me and Peter in Zoom World. So great to hear there from some of the Seagulls Over London crew at our committee meeting that we've had uh, this midweek. Um, and now, well, it's a convenient time to move on to the first of our subjects um, to do with the Albion as we go into our Albion news. So, Paul Welsh, our founder of Seagulls Over London, uh, Peter, um, his name's popped up again, hasn't it? Because the Albion have announced that the latest, well, I suppose you would say, section, wing, annex, whatever it is, of the existing and very resplendent um, training centre in Lansing has its new addition, which is the Women's Training Centre within the complex. It's an £8.5 million uh, investment from Tony Bloom, the latest in his huge investment uh, in the club, and it really integrates everything together, that extra step. Um, essentially they've got all sorts of brilliant facilities I've seen some coverage on Sky Sports News where they've been doing a feature over the last few weeks which was really interesting and essentially Paul Welsh and Paul Welsh Estate I guess his family members um, somewhere along the line have um, conspired to contribute to this training centre they've put in some sort of monetary uh, investment into it which is a great thing um, the club have said they're going to make further acknowledgement to Paul in some way, I think, as well. We're not quite sure whether that's going to be the naming of something to do with the centre. Um, not sure. But it's great to hear that Paul had this legacy to pass on, which is superb, isn't it? And, and the training centre looks to be just about the best anywhere in the world uh, for the women's game, or somewhere there up there, isn't Absolutely. it? Brilliant. It's, it's amazing. And obviously, we have one of the best teams in the league already for it as well, which we can go on to in a bit. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. great to see. I mean, obviously, Paul's legacy as well, along with all of the that family for all all guys is also the the ground as well you know i mean obviously we wouldn't have it without dick knight and tony bloom but we also wouldn't have it without yes all the fans as a whole but but, but the family for all group especially who coordinated it all and that sort of thing so yeah absolutely it's great i mean it's got all the all the facilities you've got the um the medical center the recovery areas the training pitches um it's all it's all in there it's great at the moment they're still playing at crawley but i wonder further down the line if they will be able to play at Lansing I know it's quite a closed yeah. shop isn't it they try to restrict how many people get in there really and um, I guess it would be better to have it well, somewhere else locally games at the Amex as well now I mean that might increase mm. more as they go along or if, yeah. they can, if the pitch doesn't you know suffer too much from the extra yeah. games yeah and I think with the women's game what I've got to say about it is um first of all it's been brilliant what they've done getting into the top division that was, I think, perceived by some people to be the achievement. But actually, we had a good season, survived. The next season, we finished top half, just about, which is brilliant. Yeah. And especially and, how we did it as well, because we were like bottom two or three first half of the season. And, you yeah. know, and I think it was it we got thrashed by Bristol City, who went down in the end, didn't we, in about 3 0. Yeah. And that was it was worrying quite, quite worrying at that point. And then I think we must have had about the best run in the league at that after that. So. Yeah, and we finished, I think it's six out of 12, isn't it, in the division? Yeah. Um, so, which is great. For top half of the table, superb. And um, which is, I suppose, the equivalent of Tony Bloom's ambition for the first team being top 10 in the Prem. But um, anyway, I mean, I thought that probably continuing what we're doing 
and finishing in about the same position would be great. And maybe that is what will happen in the end. Who knows? But for now, they're doing even better than the men's team because yeah. they are, well, we, we at various points were third, fourth, fifth and sixth over this weekend. Once all the results have panned out, we've ended up sixth but the, in the men's game. But in the women's game, we are no less than top of the table on goal yeah. difference because we followed up the 2-0 win over West Ham with which by, by hope Powell's count wasn't even our best performance we could have done a lot better in that game we followed that up with a 5-0 win at Birmingham loads of goals in the first half and that goal difference um, in that match has, has seen us top of the table ahead of other clubs with three points ahead of Chelsea uh, who barely lost at all last season did they? I think they, we, we beat them didn't we? And oh, yeah, really... we, won, we won away to them only team the to beat that, them, I think. The game yeah. that changed our season, that wasn't it? Kind of we nicked a one 0 win there. But I think mm. I think there is it, it has the ambition of the women's team has to be kind of put in context. The four five teams above us, certainly four of them are huge teams in the women's game and invest a lot of money into those clubs. So moving up very much more than sixth yeah. is going to be very difficult. But competing in, you know, competing to come fifth and sixth in the league and. Uh, and and winning maybe a cup or something like that is it's not you know that's the sort of thing we should be aiming for yeah. whether we can challenge City Chelsea Arsenal or United obviously now throwing money mm. to it as well you know they've they've all invested a lot in their women's game as the women's mm. team as well and yeah United and draws. Spurs and I think to some degree West Ham are all later in the day aren't they they've yeah. come into it later but but they have thrown a lot, lot of money since then as well, well so. yeah. But we made some yeah. interesting signings this summer. I think this um, it's a Korean, the lady who was here last season, who was really good um, and has now come back. And Danielle Carter sounds like yeah. a really kind of exciting signing. Got her first, first goal at the weekend. So, it's a, yeah, it's yeah. A, obviously a real buzz. I mean, the whole club, basically. I mean, if you look at the different levels, the other under-23s, under-18s, that sort of thing as well, the whole club has got a, a real mm. buzz. About it. And Tony Bloom has done everything right. He's basically kind of put all of the infrastructure in place for us to do all this. And, you know, it's like, yes, it's, Obviously, he, he's put together a very strong team and a very good team as well. But you know, it's not just like well, you know, if we lose, if we got you know, even if we went down, we still have all this infrastructure in place to continue and to push up again, hopefully. Yeah, and I do think this season we really have seen the level to which he genuinely is determined to make all facets of this club work. He really is committed to the women's team just as much as all the other things. And that's great. It's brilliant for the women's game. It's brilliant for the club because it raises the profile on a wider scale. Um, if we're genuine contenders, you know, if we're going to be top half in the women's game each season, which I think is very likely the way things are going at the moment, that would be great. I saw the highlights. As on the, uh, basically, the coverage is a lot better. We've mentioned this before. The BBC have been covering it before, but Sky picked it up as well. I think there's now going to be more coverage on each of those two channels than there was on the BBC last year. So there's a lot more going on, a lot more live games. The BBC still have the women's football show, which is the highlight show, I think on Sunday evenings, I think it's usually on. Um, And I saw the highlights of this game, you know, some really good goals in there, composed chip finishes, um, cheeky little near post shots, where it looked like a disguise shot first. I think it was one of the first goals. You know they're they're looking great. That, that was looking um, really Daniel good. Carter, I think. Daniel, yeah, it was, Daniel. yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. And and yeah, I think from what I'm hearing and what I've seen, we're going to be a lot more of a creative attacking, almost bombastic attacking side this season, um, with a lot more creative talent. That seems yeah, to be the areas think, they've most invested in. What I, what I think they're hopefully they well realistically we may end up ironically finishing in pretty much the same position, but being comfortable in that position rather than getting it last game of the season like we did last season you know it's kind of like well we'll you know be not too far off the top four or whatever rather than being well adrift and like kind of not so far above relegation zone 
that'll be obviously a real progress even if you still finish sixth or something like that you're much more in touch with the top five yeah. and it's yeah I mean, it's a lot of teams with a lot of history in women's football there who you know who are going to be very difficult to to push to get beats but obviously on, on any season you could beat one of them was like they were a bad year or something like that yeah um you've alluded to it earlier on and just to go into a bit more detail uh, the youth team. So you've got the under 23s, you've got the under 18s. It was the it was the, the quadruple classic, wasn't it? All four sides won. Yeah. Albion. The second, for the, well, the second time this season, we've had all three um, in the men's 1 1. Obviously, the women hmm. weren't playing at that stage, but yeah. the men won. The, I think the first game, the men won all three as well, didn't they? Yeah. So you had obviously Albion's first team won 1 0 at Brentford, women's first team 5 0 at Birmingham. The under 23s played on Friday night, they beat Blackburn 4 1. And the under 18s, I think a three one, but who were they playing? One three one at home to Norwich, yeah. They oh, Norwich, yeah. Emerson mm-hmm. sort of scoring a hat trick. Yeah, so Emerson's looking good. Ferguson got yeah. uh, two goals, was it against Blackburn? I think it was, was it one? Was it one? It was one. Yeah. Bench, but you see, yeah, yeah. his, his goals per game per minute ratio is huge because he's mm. only plays second half at most normally, and he's done really yeah. well. I mean, I had a quick look on Twitter and there's people playing down the hype I hadn't even had time to read about, about Ferguson. seems a lot of people are getting quite excited by him. And um, we've got other talents there. Emerson, you've mentioned a little bit further uh, down Moran, the age range. Moran as well. And Tolai as well, you yeah. know, who, who started that 23s game, didn't he? Um, That's ignoring and, the, 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 player, the striker we had on a, the Bundesliga bench at the weekend who hopefully will start starting soon. And, and one who's about to start in the championship for Stoke and that sort of thing. We've got some interesting prospects coming through. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I haven't actually had time to do a loan watch this week. I haven't been able to keep track of everything. I haven't seen the uh-huh. FL highlights yet. Um, we'll, we'll kind of update you on things like that later on, I'd imagine, in uh, further down as the month and then the season um, unfold. Um, any other news Albion-wise? I don't think I've missed anything significant. So. No, I don't think there's anything particularly. I mean, obviously, Webster is a blow, so hopefully mm. it's not as bad as you as we fear. Yeah. But It's a hamstring injury, by the way. It's always, yeah. yeah, kind of a bit of a... well. You've know, seen what Lamptey's had to deal with it. Mm. So hopefully yeah. it won't be too long, but it sounds like it could be a few weeks at least, if not more. Yeah. I was also hearing that there's been some criticism of Connolly that he's been seen at a music festival this week. But, um, you know, I think everyone's quick to jump on him now. However, I mean, he may have had permission to go there. I mean, it's not as if he's gone to a drugs party or something, is it? Um, so, I mean, if he's behaving himself, then... And if he's got I think, I think to one go. person puts that on the on the net, and then everyone starts saying, yeah. "Oh, have you anyone heard this rumor about this?" And then it's like, yeah. and it might be true. Who knows? But yeah, as you say, the club mm. may have left him. I mean, if it's if he's injured or whatever, he can as long as he doesn't make his injury worse, he can pretty much do what he wants, can't he? I think. Yeah, I think I the think thing so. is, mm. he hasn't helped himself with some of the stuff. But also now there are fans who are basically too desperate to find anything to jump on his jump on his back with and have a go at him. And the club, the fans, and the the club need to get behind him. He's one of our only well. If you count Lacardia, one of our only four strikers. If you don't count Lacardia, one of our only mm. three strikers. Um, and the same applies to Lacardia as well. I mean, if, if he's, they're going to give him a go, we need to get behind him. These players might be, you know, if Mopé gets sent off and Welby gets an injury, yeah. we might be relying on these two strikers yeah. a couple of games. You know, we need to support them rather than try and ju- yeah. find any reason to have a go at them. If Graham's willing to give them another chance, whether it's even if it's just by default because we didn't get someone in we yeah. wanted to or not, I think he's willing to give them a go. Yeah. As you say, we've got to get behind them. I think that's Until what happened with Duffy, wasn't it? Do. I mean, if Feltman yeah. and Byrne had been fit at the start of the season, we wouldn't have started the first game with Duffy. So. Yeah, most people have written Duffy off and they're all singing his name again on Saturday. And yeah, great. It's fine. It's a great story when people bounce yeah. back. I mean, we've written off Bruno before. We've written off Grosh before. Guy Buster's like in the old days. Going yeah. out on loan in the first season under Coppel and uh, 
and then coming back mm. in and being player of the season next season. So yeah. yeah. Well, I think that rounds up the Albion stuff. Just one more line for me, actually, just going back to the women's game. Um, uh, as people will probably know, Peter and I are both members and committee members of Seagulls Over London. And we've got uh, a, uh, well, uh, we've got this meeting coming up later this month. And it's going to be a guest from the women's side of the game is, is going to be the guest coming up from the club. Um, if you want details on that and if you want to join, which you'd have to do to, to attend, it's £10 membership. Um, you can get the details and you can sign online at www.seagullsoverlondon.com, isn't it? If I'm yeah. not going mad. Yeah. Um, so check that out if you are um, either working or living or both in London. Uh, we welcome to join us. That's coming up, I think it's on the 23rd, isn't it, of this month? Yeah. Next Thursday. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so that's, that's all great. Um, moving on to general football news then. Um, first of all, the latest bit of bigotry and unpleasantness from the weekend in our it's a weekly roundup really now that we're doing um this time they've gone for sectarianism which is a nice change from nice. the usual stuff lovely um chelsea usual suspects they're going right up near the top of the Berlin league there really um their fans um with this one because john mcginn apparently was being abused by a section of chelsea fans of course as always we say it's a minority and it's very disappointing for the rest of their fans as much as it is for anyone else but they've disgraced themselves again if these allegations are true um it's been reported by um villa it's been responded to by chelsea they've both condemned it and they are looking into it which is all you can do really at this stage but all i'm going to do is let out a metaphorical massive sigh again um speaking of weird behavior um one of a very different type i think carson wenger has been infected by the FIFA bug, that is the bug where everybody suddenly turns into madcap ideas or money grabbing ideas or both. Um, we, I mean, this has been kicking around this story for about a week or so, um, but we haven't actually mentioned it until now. I wanted to get um, you on before we did that, Peter. So that's why I didn't do it last time, because um, I know you like a good whinge. And it's Arsene Wh- Winger is, uh, is the man. He's, of course, head of some. What do you other. mean? I, I don't like a good whinge at all. I, I just I'm a very, you know. Non-windy person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, so anyway, back back to reality. Um, <laughs> no, Wenger, Wenger is is <laughs> Wenger is a um, an interesting character. He's been very forward thinking. He's very been, been an interesting revolutionary and developmental coach, manager, figure within the game. Obviously, things went stale towards the end of Arsenal, but that was always going to happen. But I'm rather disappointed. They've not exactly gone well for Arsenal since then, either. No, exactly. It makes you wonder now. But um, no, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed with this because I'm not surprised FIFA's come out with crap like this. But the fact that Wenger's involved is rather disappointing. The idea is, of course, a World Cup every two years. This has been mooted before. He seems to be at the forefront of pushing for it. He's talking about how the calendar is really messily arranged, the global football calendar which I wouldn't disagree with necessarily, but I do think that it's an overloaded calendar. There's so many, um, well, commitments and responsibilities on the various um, footballing regional um, establishments, you know, UEFA, Commonwealth, et cetera. And I think it's already creaky at the seams. And what they're trying to do is put in a World Cup every two years. Uh, it's because they make money one year in every four Guess which year that is, you know, mm. the World Cup year. They want to double their double their money. And there's other affiliated events like Confederations Cup and other stuff that would uh, they would also benefit from. But where is that going to fit in? The only way I can imagine it will fit in is um, either at the expense of some kind of club football commitments or either on a domestic or Europe or 
or continental scale, or some of those continental international tournaments, such as the Euros and the African Cup of Nations, would have to either be thinned out to much less frequently um, played or scrapped. I, I think it would have to be the latter, wouldn't it, probably? I mean, because the time yeah. you can play it probably realistically, World Cup is, yeah, so limited. You couldn't have a Euros and a World Cup at the same same year. You couldn't, yeah, it would be almost impossible. But then on the other hand, you know, like Copper America, that sort of thing, you know, that's, that you couldn't really imagine that they'd be happy about cancelling that, really. So it's it's a very difficult one, isn't it? I, I mean, yeah. I think it's a ridiculous idea. I don't think there's any issue to even consider it. But uh, as you say, FIFA want the money from the World Cup and... Yeah, I mean, once, it, once again, it's classic greed. If anyone thought FIFA had solved all their problems by getting rid of these um, very much corrupt officials that were proven to be so, um, it's, it's still riddled with people in there who are unsure, um, not the best people, shall we say, to, yeah, to be I involved. Mean, and also, you know, people that's not who have the, been disqualified doing, from executive roles elsewhere, yeah. why are they still in the organisation? You, you could argue, of course, that's not really corrupt, that, that bit. It's just like kind of trying to do what's best for FIFA. But the fact is FIFA's supposed to be overlooking the whole game and yeah. they're not doing what's best for the game of football by doing that. So it's... Well, there's it's the there's a conflict, thing. isn't there? This is the problem. Yeah. There's a conflict between FIFA as an organisation with its own events and all of the other organisations yeah. under the umbrella with their own agendas. Yeah, you could argue that conflicts. the World Cup should be organised separate to FIFA in a way and FIFA should be the overseer of everything and mm. not benefit from a World Cup to the point where it makes it, you know, it would look at having another World Cup against the interests of international yeah. football as a whole. I think they should be set in stone in the same way that stadiums shouldn't be permitted to be sold mm. except where an improvement, a guaranteed and very clearly ratified improvement by uh, move, moving stadiums comes yeah. into play. If that doesn't happen, you can't sell the stadium. I think that should be written in law. And I think the same with these competitions. Why not the same thing? It, it's the protection of the heritage of the game. It's always been every four years. Yeah, there might be a bit of a quirky scenario such as with the Euros because of Covid or something but effectively these tournaments are held I mean the, the Copper America has been screwed around with to be honest it hasn't always been as it should have been but but the Euros is every four years the World Cup's every four yeah. years other competitions elsewhere are every four years that's how it should be and because yeah, no, I agree. we've had people like Peter Schmeichel have, have backed Wenger and so's Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo, um, saying that it would be more entertaining to have the real, the, the very best there every well, two years. So is that, it though? Is it that's is it saturation what I was say. point? So I wonder how, if they did do this, their way around it would be to almost have a bit more of a closed shop in terms of qualifying. So mm. you don't have to qualify if you're a certain rank. You know, they say, well, the top 32 teams on this date in rankings will get through or something like that, or... Or the top, and then continue to rank it. These big Basically. ten teams, anyway, get through anyway, and so you don't have the qualifiers. Mm. So second, so you don't, you can have like two World Cups and then maybe Euros in between. With but I don't know, but yeah, that might that's be probably the way they find round it. So they just end up having a lot more games in the summers. But, but I, you're yeah. still, you're still going to dilute the quality I'm not, I'm, and the I'm, excitement of the tournaments. I mean, Schmeichel yeah. said, "Oh, I, I missed the fact that I could only at best have a chance every four years to get there at all." And I think he said he only went to one World Cup. Um, but, you know, that's that's the nature of the event. You know, it's, it's the same with the Olympics. Everyone builds a four years yeah. towards an Olympic event and the Winter Olympics and the Paralympics. It's, 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 yeah, makes it special. Every, yeah, all the big sporting all events. All Barring, yeah. like, the, barring like the, get to the things like tennis and golf, but generally all the big sporting events are every four years. No, I agree. And I, and I wouldn't advocate that. I think it would be a terrible idea to like kind of almost have a closed shop of qualifying. But I can imagine them trying to like, 
you know, none of these kind of like, you know, I mean, I can imagine people sitting in FIFA and saying, well, actually, wouldn't it be better off if Saudi Arabia and Iran didn't qualify and we had like, I don't know, you know, two of the bigger teams, I don't know, say England missed out and and France missed out. Wouldn't it be better off with England and France in there than Iran and Saudi Arabia? You know, it's like you can imagine them being there and talking about that at the meeting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a ridiculous idea. I'm very disappointed in Wenger. I hope they throw it out. They seem yeah, very yeah. relentless. Wenger, you, it, you, as you said earlier, you'd hope would be someone who had looked at the best interest of the game rather than just kind of money making ideas and that sort of thing. He's a, he's a he's someone who's you know happy to give his thoughts and he's you know he's quite a very intelligent man. And it's sad that he would back this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, it is I indeed. I feel disappointed in him. Disappointed? We're not we're not angry. We're disappointed. Yeah. Disappointed, <laughs> Yeah, indeed. Well, Wenger, if you're listening, Brighton Rock Podcast is disappointed in you. <laughs> That's going to be the damning condemnation that will swing him round to another way <laughs> of thinking, Peter, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yes, yeah. mm, maybe. <laughs> um, I'm just looking through the results to see if there was anything to glean from it in terms of Albion involvement. Only Gjokeris, former player, scored again for Plymouth, I noticed. Um, can't see any other involvement for anyone Albion-related in terms of the current times. Um, if I spot anything, I'll shout it out. Um one thing we're talking about, that was a little bit out of date, the info about Wenger and the World Cup, because it's been running for a good week to 10 days, this story. But um, in terms of one, oh, Cashman scored for Rochdale, by the way, I've just looked as well. And uh, he scored, I think, last week too. Um, yeah, one of the story from last week's EFL, not, not the weekend, but the one before. Um, did you hear about the story of Torquay um, going to, in the National League, actually, this is, um, going to Maid, no, Maidenhead, I think it was. Do you know about that one? Where basically, um, I think Torquay played away at Maidenhead. They got on the coach, as is tradition, apparently. They all ordered a load of pizzas in. Um, so there they all are with the boxes of pizzas, starting to drive away from the ground. Um, some of the players had actually headed off directly to London and elsewhere of their own volition. So there was actually too much pizza on board. And they stopped at some traffic lights right next to a pub where some Torquay fans were seated. seated. And um, Gary Johnson, the, the, who is, of course, the coach, um, took it upon himself to grab a load of pizzas, jump off the coach, pass them through this metal fencing that was separating the pub from the street which he said looked like it made the, the fans look like they're in prison he felt sorry for them so he's popping all these pizzas through in the boxes through the the fence to these fans much to their delight and he was saying in one of the interviews he wanted to keep on um you know keep on chatting to them but I, he said he felt a bit bad when it went to the third turn of lights and he was the coach was still sitting there holding all the traffic up but um great stories like that you do do like it when you do occasionally get some cheerier lighter hearted stories it's nice isn't it yeah yeah a bit different yeah have you ever had pizza from the manager of the team you supported when you've been traveling around or anything like that any oh, other no, benevolence no 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 i can't say i have either no never mind um well i mean anyway that that's pretty much it for this episode i think peter um I, one, one other thing to mention worthy um via a, a replay lost in the fa cup um, apparently they've lost at the last qualifying stage I think it is or whatever something like that um, a record number of times <laughs> that's not great but um, they did bounce back and they've gone back to winning ways in the league winning 3-2 at home to East Thurrock for any of our Worthing, Worthing supporting listeners uh, good news there I might pop along to an away game actually at some point soon as well as our planned visit to watch the game against that, those FA Cup opponents actually, they're playing in the league, Corinthian Casuals, we're going to go along as it stands aren't we Pete? Hopefully yeah all things yeah. Are being equal yeah. yeah, 
could be good to finally get down to Woodside Road or whatever it's called nowadays. Yeah. Anyway, that's it pretty much for this episode then. Um, we'll probably do intermittently some more match day specials. We've done an indulgence of them at the beginning of the season. We'll probably thin them out a little bit more so I don't annoy my friends too much um, on match days. But enjoyed it, actually. It was a good good fun one at the weekend. And we'll sure, sure we'll do them again. We'll probably do one for Crystal Palace, I think. Um, have you got tickets for that one, Peter? I have, yeah. Well, only one Excellent. ticket, actually. I haven't got multiple tickets because I don't really <laughs> Yeah, so it's not one you can pass on to friends either, is it, with the ID checks? Yeah, well, we might do one for that game, actually. So that, that'll be coming up. Um, of course, other ordinary episodes as well. We've got a couple of guest plans that we could be getting in over the next couple of weeks as well, which might be quite interesting, of an author-style nature. Um, more details to follow. But for this week, anyway, we'll round it off then, Peter, in the usual style, by saying, stand or fall. Up the Albion. Come on, with more gusto, Peter. Go again, stand or fall. Up the Albion. That was only slightly more gusto. Ah, we'll leave it there. (laughs) Cheers, folks. Till next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.